Hello, my friends. Good day to you. This is Pastor Christopher Allen in at home in Lancaster, Pennsylvania. It has been wonderful and I've really enjoyed myself sharing the word of God with you and we will continue this today. And we have done 29 lessons so far. We are talking about the realities of redemption. We started talking about the power of the new birth. What an amazing act of God it is when a person is born again, when a person passes from darkness into light and what happens in the person's life. And the fact that by virtue of being born again, we are seated with Christ in heavenly places. I mean, a lot of wonderful things. Then we have been spending a lot of time talking about healing. And now, you know, we talked about the ministry of Jesus. We talked about the ministry of the apostles in the book of Acts. We took up different aspects and different stories of healings in the Bible, how they happened. We studied all those things systematically. And now we are talking about the believers healing ministry, how we as believers minister to the sick. So uh, the, the acts of the apostles are the continuation of the works of Jesus through the apostles. But now we are living in the time of the continuation of the ministry of Jesus through us. So because of that and because of the fact that Jesus said, if we believe in him, we shall do the very same things that he did. We should not expect anything less than uh, the things that happened in the ministry of Jesus. That is where we have to set the standard because if we stand, set the standard high, that's uh, when things will happen. That's when God will move. God always moves according to our expectations and uh, our expectations have to rise to the same level as the word of God speaks and promises to us. But anyway, before I go to further, as always, I, I want to share a little testimony with you. Uh, and this is this is a short testimony. I was preaching in a church in Szczecin in Poland. And uh, I remember uh, it, it was not a very big church, I think four or five hundred people, but something interesting happened. While I was preaching, Suddenly a woman who was sitting, you know, there, it was a Catholic church. So there were hundreds of people sitting in the crowd and people were sitting on the sides. They're all over. And a woman who was kind of sitting behind me on the side, she began to scream in Polish. And uh, I didn't understand. She just screamed and screamed. And, uh, and the priest stood up while she was screaming because I stopped. I paused to see what was wrong. The priest stood up and he said something. He didn't speak English. He spoke to me in Polish. And the interpreter said, this woman has been completely blind for 33 years. And now while you were preaching, she has suddenly received her sight. So what had happened? So I asked the priest, what happened? Well, the priest asked the woman. The woman said when she was a, a young girl, this lady was, I think, in her 40s. When she was a young girl, she was walking and a big brick fell from uh, a building and landed on her head and knocking her unconscious and they rushed her to the hospital and she woke up she was completely blind and she had been like this completely blind in 33 years and she said while you were preaching suddenly my eyes were open light began to come back and now I see perfectly and everyone of course we rejoiced and praised God and I thought of it you know there are times when things happen suddenly you know, like the Bible says on when the day of Pentecost uh, was fully come, he says, suddenly there was a sound of a mighty rushing wind. And there are times we pray for people and God heals people. But there are times when sometimes things happen suddenly. 
just suddenly, like I talked about the the lady in Rosario in Argentina, she had been uh, paralyzed, her backbone had been severed for 16 years. And while I was reading from the Bible before I preached, she got up and began to walk. And, you know, and you can say this, there are miracles that happen all, all of a sudden, suddenly. I call it the suddenlies of God, when God moves suddenly. And I thought a lot of it, but you know, let me just say one thing. The suddenlies of God, the sudden miracles of God, are not suddenlies in the sense that, you know, we don't expect anything and there's a totally sovereign move of God based on nothing. No, it is always based on something. The suddenlies of God are a result of our expectations and our prayers. If we live our lives in constant expectation of God to move, that wherever we go, we have this expectation, God is going to do something, God is going to do something right now. And, and we are always on the ball and ready for it. That's when God moves suddenly. You, could, you should look at the bigger context of the day of Pentecost when suddenly uh, there was a mighty rushing wind. You have to remember that those disciples were actually in prayer because they were expecting that which Jesus had said to them. He had said that don't go anywhere but wait in Jerusalem until you're endured with power from on high because John baptized in water but in a few days you'll be baptized with the Holy Ghost. So they were expecting it and when they were expecting it the suddenly of God comes. So the suddenlies of God aren't just something that happens by chance and nobody knows where it came from and why it came. There is always a reason. The suddenlies of God come as uh, as God's answer to our prayers and our expectations. So my friends, I would encourage you, really exalt you to live lives and me too. Let us always live lives full of expectation of great things from God. Praise God. So now, anyway, let's go to our lesson. I want to talk about the eight different ways to minister healing or, I can, or you can put it that way, eight different ways for people to receive divine healing, okay? And uh, the first of the eight different ways is believing the word of God and receiving. That is the simplest and the most straightforward of the eight different ways uh, of receiving healing from God. Mark eleven twenty four. therefore I say unto you, what things soever you desire when you pray, believe that you receive them and you shall have them. It is as simple as that. So what things soever you desire, so you, you mark what you desire. But before you desire it, uh, you have to first make sure that the word of God promises it. You cannot just pick something out of there and say, well, I desire this and I'm going to. No, you can't do that. Your desire has to be born out of the word of God. And now in this context, we are actually talking about physical healing. And we know that physical healing is God's will. And we know that from the word. So that, so the word covers it. So it says, therefore, I say unto you, what things soever you desire, when you pray, believe that you receive them and you shall have them. So you believe when you pray, you believe that you have it and then you shall have it. In other words, the first comes the prayer, but then 
In the world, they say seeing is believing. And many people, church people practice that because they throw up a prayer. Then they say, okay, let's see if I get an answer or not. And if the answer comes, they say, hallelujah, I prayed and the answer came, praise God. But if the answer doesn't come, they say, well, it didn't come. It wasn't God's will or maybe there was whatever, you know, and the answer didn't come. But here, the, 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 uh, the, the sequence of events is the order is changed. It says, first you pray, then here's the key thing. You believe that you already have it, then you shall have it. In other words, your believing that you already have it is not on the basis of you having it, but it is on the basis of the promise of the word of God. Because you see, it's like this. Anything that Jesus has purchased with his blood for you and for me, anything that the word of God says is yours or mine, we have every right to possess it by faith and say, yes, it is mine. I believe it. I may not feel it in my body or see it with my eyes, but God says it is mine. And because the Lord says it is mine, I say the same thing as God says, and it is mine. So it is on that basis what it says here is that when you pray for anything, believe that you have it, then you shall have it. So that is um, that is the first way to receive a miracle or the first way to minister a miracle is believing the word of God and receiving by faith. All right. Believing the word of God and receiving by faith, not receiving by sight, not receiving because you see it, but believing it that you have received it because it is yours according to the word of God and you have it. So that's why it says that, therefore I say unto you, these are the words of Jesus himself, what things soever you desire when you pray, so you believe that you receive it and then you shall have them. So you believe, you say, Father, I receive this by faith. I thank you. This is promised to me in your word. I believe that I receive it by faith and I thank you. I thank you. I praise you. I thank you, Lord Jesus, that your this miracle is mine and it is in my body right now and you're working in my body. I thank you for it in Jesus' name. So that is the first way in which you receive a healing from God or you minister a healing to God, okay? The, the second way to receive a miracle or to minister healing to somebody is Matthew 18, verse 19. It says, again, I say unto you that if two of you shall agree on earth as touching anything that they shall ask, it shall be done for them of my Father in heaven. Now, of my Father which is in heaven. Now, this is this is interesting because the preceding verse, it says, where two or three of you are gathered together in my name, I'm there in the midst of them. So we have a guarantee. You know, I'm saying this, this is important because many people feel uh, that they have to feel Jesus. They have to feel Jesus in order to believe he's there. So people say, oh, I felt the presence of the Lord. Uh, you know, that, that you don't have to feel the presence of the Lord. You don't have to feel anything. It's great when we feel, there are times I feel anything, but most of the time I feel nothing. Like I, when I'm in Africa in my crusades, we see lame, blind, crippled people walking, people walking, and I get asked this question, Brother Christopher, how does it feel when these, all these miracles happen all around you? I mean, how do you feel? Should I be honest with you? 
90% of the time I feel zilch, zero, I feel nothing, nothing. My emotions are, I don't feel a thing. But what I base my faith on is not what I feel. I base my faith on the fact that Jesus said, if two or three of you are gathered together in my name, I'm in the midst of them. So I always look around me and I look at my team. I say, well, Mavondo there, he's here, I'm here. Brighton, my worship leader is on the platform. So there's three of us. And Jesus said two or three of us. So I don't know about the rest of the people, but if I know two or three people here who are gathered together with me in the name of Jesus, then Jesus is here on this field on this platform and he's going to do the same things that he did in the days of the Bible. But you see, the thing is that I have trained myself to think that way. Uh, in modern day charismatic Christianity, you have to feel something. You, I mean, you, you actually, you have to, you know, you go to a meeting and the music has to be in a certain way and the lighting. So you go and go, oh, I, 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 oh, glory, you know, and you got to, you got to feel some shaking or tremor or some warmth or heat. I mean, otherwise, People say, ah, I didn't feel the presence of God. And look, it's wonderful. Some, there are times that God touches our senses. Yes, he does. He can, uh, he can. I, I know sometimes I've smelt the fragrance of heaven and that's wonderful. But I don't base it on that. I don't chase after that either. Uh, you know, there are times you feel heat in your hand. You feel that thing in your body. And I felt those things, but those are not the things that you base your faith on. Those are not the things you pursue. You pursue the word and you learn to train yourself. And that's what Jesus said, where two or three of you are gathered together in my name, I'm there in the midst of them. So if you can find two, that's why I always like some of my own, own club or crowd, my own uh, tribe to be with me. Then I know Jesus is there because there's two or three of us are there. And then he says, in verse 19, again, I say unto you that if two of you shall agree on earth as anything, as touching anything that they shall ask, it shall be done for them of my Father which is in heaven. Now, this is actually very powerful. I've done this many, many times. And, you know, sometimes you just say, okay, you know what? Let's do this. You know, someone comes with a prayer request and, and I'll say, let's, let's agree. Let, let's pray. Uh, agree. And in fact, the word agree is an interesting word. It is a, it is the word symphonia, symphonia. And that's where we get the English word symphony. It's an interesting thought because a symphony is a myriad of instruments, different instruments. There's a string instruments, there's wind instruments, and you know, there's all kinds of instruments. And they all play the same thing. You know, it's the, they're different instruments making different sounds. They're played differently, but they make the same, they say the same thing. And that's the word sinfonia because sin is, uh, that's where you get the word synchronization. When, you know, you, you, everything runs in the same uh, steps, you know, step, they, they run in step with each other. That, that's, you know, and symbiosis. That's where you've got two plants that grow together as one. They share the same root system, something like that, you know. So you've got, you got that's so sym symphonia is a sim when you've got uh, or simultaneous, simultaneous. That's where you get the same word when several things are together as one. So symphonia and phonia is phonetics, the voice speaking. So symphonia, it means to 
say the same thing. So it doesn't mean a mental agreement. Yeah, I agree with you. But it means where two or three is fierce, it means that where two or three, uh, if two or three shall agree, if two of you shall agree, that means say the same thing here on earth as touching anything that they shall ask, there's an ironclad guarantee that God will do it for us. Hallelujah. So this is how the prayer of agreement should be prayed. It's not like two people shouting, you know, praying each other. Okay, let's pray, pray in agreement. And you got three people then they're shouting at the same time and they're saying different things. One person said, Lord, we receive this miracle. Another person said, oh God, heal him. And third guy said, Lord, if it be thy will, oh Lord, I feel thy presence. Now that's not agreement. Agreement, I, agree, I suggested this way. This is what I say. I said, look, let one person pray or say something and the rest of us say amen to that. Don't pray anything else or put another thought there, but you join your heart and your thoughts with this person's prayer and you say amen. And amen means yes, it stands. And that is agreement. So let one person pray in faith and say, Father, we stand before you in the name of Jesus for our brother. I thank you that the Lord Jesus, you bore his diseases, carried his pains, and by your stripes he is healed. And so I hereby declare that he is healed. And so, Father, I now speak. I ask you for total healing for our brother and we receive it by faith in Jesus' name. And everybody else is listening and agreeing to it. And then everybody says, Amen. I agree with that. We are all in agreement. It is done. That is what the prayer of agreement is. That when we all say the same thing, we we all of us, we speak as if we speak with one mouth, we say the same thing. That's the prayer of agreement. All right. So, uh, you know, you might say, oh, this is strange, but that's what the Bible is actually teaching us. If two of us actually say the same thing, that's what it means to agree. We say the same thing. So it's very important that there's total unity in that. So we are saying the same thing and not praying different kinds of prayers. Okay. Now, uh, the, the, that's how it works. And I've done it many, many times over the years. Uh, found a partner to, who is in, in the same spirit of faith with me. And we agree and pray and it works. Okay. Number three, the third method or the third, th third method to of receiving healing or ministering healing. Uh, it is the laying on of hands. It says, Mark 16, verse 18, they shall lay hands on the sick and they shall recover. Now, the laying on of hands is very interesting because Paul writes to Timothy and he takes, the, he tells him that he should, he should not forget the gifts, uh, that the gifts of God that were put in him through the laying on of hands by the presbytery. So through the laying on of hands, we can, uh, there's a transference of power to the laying on of hands. It's a very powerful thing. We can transfer the gifts of healing. Uh, I mean, the, the, the gifts of the Holy Spirit and also healing. You know, Jesus, uh, he, he himself said, you shall lay your hands upon the sick and they shall recover. So the healing of, uh, the, the laying of hands is a very powerful thing. And it is something that we should practice and we should take very seriously. And people come and people ask that, please pray for me, please lay your hands on me. And you remember when uh, Jairus came to Jesus and he said, my daughter is at the point of death, come and lay your hands on me and shall be healed. And uh, I have laid my hands upon the sick many, many times. And, and you know, when you, 
And when they do that, there's a transference of power. And many, many times I feel it, many times I don't feel it, but something always happens when you lay your hands upon somebody in faith. You do it in faith. It's not a ritual. You do it in faith. And he said, Father, in obedience to your word, to your commands, I lay my hands upon this brother. In the name of Jesus, I ask you to heal him. Life of God come into his body in the name of Jesus. So we, 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 we put our focus on the fact that God works through us when we lay our hands upon the people. And when we lay our hands upon people, something actually happens at that point. It's a powerful point of contact. So that's the, that's the third way to, uh, you know, to minister to the sick, the laying on of hands. Now, the fourth key is, it says, pray for one another. Uh, that's the fourth key. Now, in James 5.16 says, confess your faults one to another and pray one for another that you may be healed. Now, this is interesting because this is, it's very obvious from this uh, context that it is within the body. It's not like going to the altar, being prayed for him by a minister, but within the body. It can be in a home situation, in a Bible school, Bible study situation. It says, the first thing it says, confess your faults to one another. It talks about, about transparency and being vulnerable. When you're vulnerable and you are transparent, you put your guard down, you put your pride down, you humble yourself, you confess your sins, your faults to one another, you confess your faults to one another, and then you pray for one another and that you may be healed. Okay, now I know that some, uh, uh, you know, I, I had some friends, we young people, they went with a certain organization uh, that does missions with young people and they had this weird thing going in that particular team they were in and the team leader said okay now everybody has got to confess everything they've ever done and they and they, they asked them these questions you know before you got saved uh, who did you have sex with I mean just crazy 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 stuff that is not what it's talking about. It's not talking about uh, because sometimes people want to know everything you have done so that they can control you. And that's not what he's talking about. Uh, that is control. That is weird. We're talking about in a, in a situation like this where uh, we pray for one another. Then you open your hearts to one another and you're vulnerable and you're transparent. And then you say, you know, I have this thing in my life. Please pray for me. And the Bible, it's there in the Bible. It says you confess your faults one to another. Then it says, pray one for another that you may be healed. Then you pray one for another that you may be healed. So when we pray one for another in the body, we pray one for another. Many wonderful miracles take place that way in people's homes, in people's Bible study, even privately. Sometimes you enter into conversation with somebody uh, you are in relationship with. Now, I must add that this thing about confess your faults to one another, this transparency of vulnerability, that takes place best in the context of relationships because you don't sit before strangers and confess your faults to them. Don't do that. You don't sit before people. You know, nobody has the right to ask you your faults especially if they are not in relationship with you uh, or, or they are not your pastor or anything of that sort. It has to be, I open my heart to people. I tell them, I've sometimes sat 
uh, and before people and cried even and talked about my struggles. I wouldn't tell them to anyone, but have been like dear, dear friends of mine, people uh, who, who are very, very close to me, closer to me than brothers. I have sat with them and sometimes I've cried and shared my hurts and shared what I've been through and asked them for prayer. And that is the context. So uh, when you're talking about sharing your heart, talking about your faults, you do it in the in the context of relationships in the kingdom of God. All this is in the context of relationship. It's never in the context of ecclesiastical hierarchy or ecclesiastical rank because somebody says, well, I'm your, your bishop or your pastor, so I have the right to know you have to go to sit and tell me everything. No, I will only do that. Like I can talk to my pastor about everything, but that's because he has my heart. I have his heart. We, we have been very close for 26 years and it's not on the basis of his authority as pastor, but it is on the basis of a relationship. I can sit and tell him what I'm going through. And sometimes he tells me what he's going through. And in that context, when there's love, there's fellowship, there's transparency, there's oneness, then you can share your heart with one another. Then you can pray for one another. And the Bible gives us a wonderful promise that you pray for one another that you may be healed. There's wonderful healing uh, in that kind of fellowship, in that kind of context. And, and I, would, I would really encourage those of you who are, who are listening to this to develop those relationships. Uh, we live in a time where people are, uh, you know, people gossip, people that talk, people talk, and sometimes you wonder who you can ever, ever trust. Because, uh, you know, I, I remember when there was a great, uh, well-known, famous minister, he fell into sin. This was about 25 years ago. He was in the world news. It was terrible. And, and the Lord showed me the reason he went through this, because you see, if you watched him on TV, he was busy attacking everybody. He was attacking Catholics. He was attacking anybody. He was attacking word of faith people, attacking charismatic people. His, TV, his, his preaching was basically bashing other people. So when he was in need, there was nobody he could go to because he had attacked and bashed so many people that the very few, very people who were in a place to help him, he couldn't go to them because he had been so busy uh, bashing others. And we in Swedish, we call it, you paint yourself into a corner. It's like you're paint, painting a floor. Then suddenly you find yourself in the corner. You painted yourself into a corner. Never do that because that man did that. And he fell once, he fell twice. He was caught in sin. And then his ministry was basically finished. He's still in business, but it's not what it used to be. So it is better to be humble, to be transparent. Don't attack people but love them, walk in love, be humble, develop those relationships, good relationships with brothers and sisters in the Lord. If you're in the ministry with fellow ministers, if you're not in the ministry with other people, but develop those one-on-one -on -one relationships with people, deep personal relationships, uh, and, and, and with people who, who, who can speak into your life and you can speak into their life. I have a bunch of men, uh, brothers in the Lord, all of them pastors, ministers, and uh, and I, I told them, I said, if you ever see anything in my life, tell me. And 
I have any questions, I can go to them, talk to them, and I'm not afraid, I'm not scared of them, because I know that they love me, and anything they say to me, say to me even if they give me a tough pill to swallow, it'll be said in love. And I have said, I'm going to take those tough pills and listen to them because it would make me a better man. So that's what I mean. Develop, if you don't be a lone ranger Christian that you ride into the sunset with nobody but Tonto next to you, but you, 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 you develop those relationships within the body of Christ, walk in love, walk in faith with others and be vulnerable, be open, be transparent. And the Bible says in that context, when you share with one another, share your faults with one another, you pray for one another, you shall be healed. What a wonderful promise that the Lord gives us. So we've talked about the four uh, first ways of receiving healing. Uh, believing the word of God and receiving. Secondly, the prayer of agreement and then the laying on of hands and then praying for one another. So we talked about these four. Tomorrow we'll go uh, with the other four methods of receiving or ministering healing. We'll do that. Then we'll talk about other things. But let's pray now. Father, in the name of Jesus, I pray for my brothers and sisters. I thank you for your hand upon their lives. I thank you for your hand upon all of our lives. Thank you, Father. You bless them. Bless their families. Father, we thank you that you shall bless our food and our water and turn every sickness away from them. From them, Father, bless the seed that they have sown. Father, uh, as tithes and offerings to their churches and to, 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 to missions and to help the poor. Lord, in these difficult times, help them and, and grant them great blessings, Father, in the name of Jesus. And Lord, keep them safe, sound and secure from all evil. We thank you, Father for all your love and goodness in the name of Jesus. Amen. God bless you, my friends.